Owning a home is still the American dream, but it comes with plenty of emotional and financial challenges. Join real estate broker Ron Evans each week as he shares the latest industry and local real estate market news through interviews with other agents and industry professionals. If you're confused about today's real estate market or just want to understand the home buying and selling process, this show is for you. Here's your host, Ron Evans. Hi, and welcome. This is Ron Evans, and you've reached my podcast, Real Estate 101 by Ron Evans, and uh, also available on YouTube, same name. You can search either one on any platform that you get your content from, and you will find me. And today I am coming to you with the third in a series and final in a series of how to buy a home. It's 10 steps to how to buy a home. I covered steps one, two, and three on the first episode, uh, steps four, five, and six on the last episode. And this week I will cover the final four steps, seven, eight, nine, and 10 today. So just as a uh, repeat, step one was checking your credit score. Step two is determining how much you can afford. Step three, choose a lender and get pre-approved for a mortgage. Step four, find a real estate agent Step five, start the home search process. And step six was make an offer. Today, we are going to cover get a home inspection and home appraisal, purchase homeowner's insurance, do a final walkthrough, and close your new home. All right, let's dive right in. Let me get to my notes here for step seven. Get a home inspection and home appraisal. So... A lot of times people think everything's a slam dunk once their offer is accepted and they've opened escrow successfully. But honestly, I think I even mentioned it in the uh, previous episode when we covered step six. Getting to that point is basically where the fun really starts. You have all of your different uh, contingency periods if you have them in your contract to go through. And this is your time as the buyer to do your due diligence to make sure this home is going to suit your needs for the long term. And you know completely, eyes wide open as best as possible, what you're getting into. So, from this point, there are a few critical steps that remain. You're going to need to arrange for a home inspection and an appraisal. Now, home inspection is completely on you. Hopefully, the real estate agent that you have hired to help you has a list of vendors to call upon for home inspections that they trust that are good if you don't already have uh, people in mind yourself. Um, it's very important in this industry that uh, as we work with people as agents, um, we, keep, we keep around the people that we trust and that we value um, so that our, all of our clients are treated the same and, and get a really good um, experience. Now, the appraisal, on the other hand, while you as the buyer technically pay for the appraisal through your closing costs and stuff to the bank, the bank actually hires the appraiser or, or orders the appraisal um, and conducts that on their own. So you don't actually need to schedule that per se. Um, 
but there are things and maybe we'll get into it. Maybe we won't on this particular episode, but there are, and there are things that um, the agent should hopefully do or be prepared to do um, to help out with the appraisal. Anyway, let's dial into the home inspection because that's going to be the meat and potatoes of this section of what's uh, you as the buyer um, should be doing um, without fail. So a home inspection is important. Um, what does a home inspection do? Well, it helps identify areas where there might be major repairs or renovations that require immediate attention, as well as any work that needs to be done um, or completed in the future. So if there's some just some um, deferred maintenance that needs to be taken care of before something breaks, a home inspection should hopefully reveal that. You should be hiring a professional third-party home inspector. Um, I know a lot of times we have people within the family that we trust. Maybe Uncle Bob is a contractor. Maybe he is or maybe he isn't qualified to do an actual home inspection. Um, I always recommend hiring a completely independent third-party company. I keep several in my own Rolodex uh, that are available that I trust that I've used multiple times because you need someone that is going to be neutral. They are fact-finding. They are not trying to fact-find things to convince you to continue purchasing the home, and they should not be fact-finding things to scare you from purchasing the home that you're in escrow on. They should simply be stating everything out with pretty much no emotion. Um, at the end of the day, if everything does look good on inspection, you should feel more warm and fuzzy about it, but you should never feel, even if it was the worst inspection ever, hopefully the home inspector you have isn't scaring you to death. They are just putting everything out there um, because typically what happens is, is anything that the general home inspection calls out you may now go back and hire an independent inspector that's more specific to an area, like a roof, like an air conditioning, like a pool. If they call out things that they just see um, at their skill level, you do deeper dive inspections. So you, you never want a home inspector, a general home inspector, that's going to make you feel over alarmed. And you're, you should never have a home inspector that comes back making you feel super syrupy. You can feel warm and cozy when you're done if it, everything's gone more or less according to plan. Um, but you should just be taking everything at face value with what they're presenting and hopefully that's how they're doing it. So if you've included a home inspection contingency in your contract, which here in California, it's boilerplate, you actually have to um, write it out of a contract. Um, you'll have the opportunity to have your inspection and then Maybe may, you may or may not have the ability to ask for repairs to be made prior to uh, your contract closing. What else can I tell you about the home inspection? Um, while you're in the contingency period, if the home inspection reveals things um, that you're not comfortable with, as long as your contingency is still in place, you haven't released the contingency, that is your chance as the buyer to withdraw your offer cancel escrow. And more often than not, you get your deposit back as long as you've done everything above board. Now, there's other things that fall in, into the home inspection contingency and home inspection um, time frame that you as the buyer should be reviewing, uh, hopefully with your agent. And that is going to be the seller's disclosures. Okay. 
I personally like to get the seller disclosures first and then have the home inspection at the same time we get them or maybe like the day after. So I've had a chance to kind of review the home inspection, uh, the, the seller disclosures first. I want to see everything that the seller is disclosing about the home that they personally know, repairs that have been made, um, remodeling that's been done, known damage that hasn't been taken care of, because I want to see what the inspection uncovers and see if it follows along with what the homeowner is disclosing. Sometimes, and I can't say that the homeowner has the intent of hiding things. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but it's not always the case. But sometimes you look at a disclosure and they don't talk about, oh, well, there was a repair made here, or we had this over here last year or whatever. They, they either purposely or accidentally omit things. And then the home inspector comes through and is like, okay, well, there was this here. There's evidence of this here. There's evidence of this here. And now you as the agent with your buyer can compare and, and then you kind of have an idea of, okay, we need to go back and question these things that aren't on the disclosure. Were they aware of that? Did they omit it purposely or accidentally? Kind of just gives you more mindset as to, as to how you're, what you're dealing with in your transaction. So that's why I kind of like to have them done at the same time um, so I can review them together and know what I'm getting into. Or I might even have the seller's disclosure there while the home inspection is going on. And if, if they've noted things in the seller's disclosure of remodeling and things that have been done, I will call that out to the inspector to say, hey, do you see evidence of this? Um, can you tell what the quality was? We already know there was some stuff done here, okay? Or they're telling me um, that maybe they got a quote to do some repairs on things that haven't been done yet. What do you see, Mr. Inspector? Do you see the same types of damage? Do you see the same breaks? Things, things, things that need to be fixed, or is it more, or is it more than what they're letting us know, or less than what they're letting us know? Just a way to be informed. Okay, that's the home inspection. Um, it is the easiest way if you needed to cancel, in my opinion, a transaction. The way to cancel a transaction, not that you should ever have the intent of going into a, an escrow or buying a home with the intent of, hey, we might need to cancel. Um, it's, it's. Canceling should always be a last resort. I just know that from my own experience using the inspection contingency timeframe and all the things that fall into it gives you the most opportunity um, to cancel. Home appraisal. Now, like I said, um, the process for a home appraisal, buyer pays for it, but you do not hire the appraiser. The bank orders and hires the appraisal. It typically comes from a group of appraisers in a pool so that there's no, um, for lack of a better term, coercion um, happening to where a bank says, okay, hey, I really need this appraisal to happen. I have a feeling that used to go on years ago. No longer is that way. The, uh, the, the bank and the lender typically don't know who the actual appraiser is until after it's been ordered and someone on the other end, the, on the appraisal side, has accepted the order. So it's not like they can just ask for, hey, I want Mike to go to this appraisal because he's always pretty loose with them, right? He, he always makes sure that even if it's uh, an overpriced home, it appraises and we can get this loan done. It doesn't work that way. So what happens then is it's incumbent on the agent, usually the listing agent, but sometimes as me representing the buyer, I've also gotten involved 
if it's been a transaction where we are having to outbid people um, to get uh, our offer approved, and maybe this is the first home in the neighborhood that is going to sell for well over what the comps say, um, I help the listing agent. We pull comps uh, and we do math and we put things on charts and and really, really show what upgrades have been done or what upgrades haven't been done compared to other things to help the appraiser really have a full picture when he comes, she comes um, with why we are in escrow at the price that we're in escrow. Another thing that helps too, is if you're in a multiple offer situation, uh, have the listing agent show the appraiser, hey, look, we had seven offers and all of them were within X amount of dollars of where we are in escrow. So obviously the market is telling us that's what this home is worth, even if the comps, immediate comps don't necessarily support that because nothing has sold in the neighborhood for a while. So appraisals can be tricky. Um, now, what happens if your home doesn't appraise? It happens. It happens even in this market where things are going crazy. It happens in all markets where sometimes things just don't appraise. Well, if you have your appraisal contingency still in place, you haven't waived it, the buyer can have an opportunity to, to back out of, out of the deal if they can't come to an agreement with the seller. Typically, what will happen is before anything like that happens, where escrow gets canceled, if something doesn't appraise, let's just say you're in escrow for $800,000 and the home appraises for $760,000. Maybe it was listed for $750,000 and you're in escrow now at $50,000 over list, but it appraises for $760,000. Let's just run that scenario. So you got a $40,000 delta. Now, either the buyer can try to negotiate a new sales price for the home and get it down to 760 to where they don't have to come out of pocket more. The seller can hold firm and say, no, Mr. Buyer, it's we're in escrow at 800,000. I'm going to need you to kick in 40 grand. Um, you can split the difference if the buyer has the capability for that. Sometimes it's a moot point in these scenarios because the buyer is already tapped out. They don't have an extra whatever thousand dollars to, to bridge an appraisal gap. Um, so it depends on the market that you're in on if you would have to do that or not, or be asked to do that or not. In today's market, you probably would be asked to bridge an appraisal gra gap if you can, or the buyer or the seller will just move on to the next best offer. Um, that happens. But um, I've had it happen in the recent past and in the distant past where my buyers have come out of pocket decent amounts of money to bridge appraisal gaps. I've also had sellers credit back and renegotiate the list or the selling price of their home to accommodate because they just really wanted that buyer to, to have their home. I've also had both sides concede and meet in the middle. I've experienced all of that. And I've had things that haven't appraised and the buyers just walked away because they couldn't, we come, couldn't come to an agreement. The buyer had no more money to put down. All these things can happen. You just need to be prepared for all of that, regardless of what the market is. If it's a seller's market or a buyer's market, these things just sometimes happen. Um, the type of market will dictate who has more leverage in negotiating for that. Right now, the sellers have all the leverage. So typically, they're not going to adjust their price down, even meet in the middle, because they have plenty of other offers that they can call upon. 
So that's that buyer pays for appraisal, bank orders the appraisal. Nobody knows who the appraiser is until it's ordered and accepted by an appraiser. And then typically the appraiser contacts the listing agent. If you've got a good core, uh, uh, communication with your lender and the listing agent as the and you're representing the buyer, you can be asked to be brought in on the appraisal if you think it's going to be an issue and you feel like you need to help. Otherwise, as the buying agent, you, you stay out of it. Okay, that's inspection and appraisal. So that's step seven. Step eight, you are going to need homeowner's insurance especially if you have a loan on property, they're gonna require it. So it's not only in your best interest, but it's gonna be required. Um, it works as a safety net. It protects your home and your finances. Um, it's not legally mandated, okay? But like I said, the lenders are gonna require you to have an insurance policy on the home before giving you a loan. They're gonna ask for, uh, when you go to close escrow and sign your loan docs, you're going to have to show your declarations page that you have insurance in place. Now, homeowner's insurance, what it does is it covers damage to your home and its surrounding structures, as well as stolen or damaged personal property. There are different types and levels of coverage, ranging from basic to comprehensive. So what does that mean? Basic coverage might just uh, be like liability coverage to where someone gets hurt on your property or you have some accidental damage that happens. Then more comprehensive would cover if uh, you accidentally did damage to your property or someone else did damage to your property purposefully, um, as well as theft and loss and things like that, major fire here in California, earthquake. Um, now, I can tell you, and I don't know how this is in other parts of the country, because I don't always know where we, there are a lot of wildfires here in California. And, and I know in the Pacific Northwest, we've been hit in the last several years. It seems with wildfire after wildfire after wildfire in Arizona, where I'm from. And when these things happen, um, homes and neighborhoods get re-rated by insurance companies and they might be in what's called a fire zone or a fire hazard zone. And some insurance carriers will not issue fire coverage. And that's always a sticking point with a lender. If you have to have homeowners coverage, they're going to require you to have a fire policy because that's the most common way that there could be a loss on the home is with the fire. So it pays, again, to have an agent that you're working with that understands this, that understands the neighborhood where you were buying and some of the challenges that you might encounter. In the neighborhood I live in, we are a fire hazard. We back to a wilderness area, uh, like a, a regional park. And while we have had several wildfires in the 15, 18 years I've lived in the area, they've never gotten close enough to where any of our homes were immediately threatened. Um, they've always been at least like a mile or so away. Nevertheless, that entire area, that entire zip code and the surrounding zip code is considered a high risk fire area. And it is difficult to get homeowners insurance to get a fire, fire, fire policy. However, there's at least one agent in our neighborhood, one insurance agent who's lived there for 30 years. He understands how to get fire policies accepted and has access to do so. So he is like the go-to person. 
if you were dealing with, if you were coming to buy a home in our neighborhood and you're working with an agent who's from out of the area, they may not know this guy. Chances are they're not going to know this guy to be able to get it. Um, if you as a seller are, hey, I'm just going to deal with so-and-so as my agent, let them list my home and they're not from the neighborhood. A buyer comes in, can't get insurance on your home and has to back out. Well, your listing agent, if they don't know the neighborhood and don't know this particular insurance agent, may not be able to help keep your deal together. It's just one, that's a very small reason that turns into a big reason of, of why it's really important to know who you're hiring and the expertise they have in your neighborhood. So that's homeowner's insurance and what it covers. That's step number eight. Okay, so we've covered step number seven, home inspection and appraisal. We've covered step number eight, which is purchasing homeowner's insurance. Next is... Honestly, one it could be one of the most nerve-wracking points. Um, it should be the most excited time. And it starts out usually to be in a very excited time, but it can end up being nerve-wracking. That's step number nine is doing a final walkthrough. Um, here in California, within three days of the close of escrow, you as the buyer are instructed to do a final walkthrough of the property. You can waive it. I've never had a buyer waive it. I've always instructed them, make sure you're doing it. And what's the final walkthrough? Four. Okay. Um, it's one last walk through the property to make to see a if something still needs to be fixed, whether it was agreed upon ahead of time or not, or if there are things that were agreed upon, if they were fixed and fixed to the satisfaction that was agreed upon before you close. Um, and lastly, uh, a purchase contract here in California states that the property is to be delivered in no less, basically, of the same condition as when you as the buyer first saw it. So when you saw that home, if you saw that home and it was like spick and span and clean and didn't have any clutter, there was no trash, windows were clean, nothing was left on the ground, and that's how you saw it uh, when you first saw it, that is the reasonable expectation you should have when you were taking ownership of it, when you were taking possession. So if you go in on your final walkthrough and it looks like a, they've already moved out and they left trash behind everything else, you need to bring that up because that needs to be, that's something that should and could be remedied um, before you take possession. Now, I do need to state that a final walkthrough is in no way, shape or form supposed to be used as leverage to not close on time. Um, so, Let's say, for instance, that you had seven items on a repair list from your inspections that the seller agreed to do before close, and you come on your final walkthrough, and you notice that two things aren't done. Five of them are done, but there's two things that aren't done. Okay, well, you can't use that as leverage as the buyer and threaten to say, hey, I'm not going to go sign my final loan docs and close this and take possession until those things are done. That can't be done. Does it happen? Absolutely. Buyers will use that as try to use that as leverage all the time, but technically, contractually, you can't, at least here in California. Um, it just needs to be negotiated, need to come to an understanding. Maybe the two items couldn't be done by the time of close, and the seller just hasn't told you, hey, it hasn't been done. You know, that window's on order, or there's a screen on order, or something like that. It'll all be done after. Well, then 
it gets put in writing and you sign off on it on your final walkthrough form that, okay, I understand as the buyer, these things aren't done, but they will be done within X amount of days after. Okay. Or it could also end up being a last moment thing where the seller's just like, oh my God, I had to get all my stuff out and I couldn't get that screen ordered. Um, I have the contact to order it, Mr. Buyer, but I couldn't get it ordered or um, I couldn't get whatever damage fixed in time. Um, or maybe damage happened when they were moving out and they didn't realize that the movers caused damage, right? Well, it's a last minute time. You just call up the seller, seller's agent, let them know. And maybe they'll offer like an additional credit. Like when you're closing, being, hey, you know what? We'll still pay for it. And we're sorry we couldn't get it done. That, that happens quite often. Very rarely is a seller just, will, will a seller agree to do things like repairs and things of that nature upfront? And they don't get all done, and it was done in a malicious intent. So that's another reason why you should never be looking to use those things uh, to try to get out of a deal or to threaten to, to not close a deal. Um, ha- it, these things happen. Um, now, if the home's not clean, that's a whole other story. Um, you know, I have had that happen before where a seller is just in so much of a hurry. Maybe they're moving out of town, out of state, whatever. Maybe it was a short sale. It's an embarrassed divorce, whatever. You don't know what their circumstances are. And they, they bolt in a quick amount of time or they're running late trying to get out and hand over the property. And either they don't take the time to clean or they just don't have the time to clean or have the home cleaned. That happens. That happens quite often. Um, happens way more than you than walking in and noticing repairs aren't completed. Um, I, as the agent for my buyers, typically when we go through the final walkthrough, regardless of the condition of the home, even if it looks spick and span, I always, as soon as we close escrow, have my cleaners scheduled to go in there and spend a few hours cleaning the home. Now, if I if we go in on the final walkthrough and it's the day or two before and I notice there's junk everywhere, well, I take that upon myself. I never count on the selling agent or the sellers to make things right. I go, I go into things eyes wide open, just like my buyers with the understanding that this is a business. This is just something I'm, I know I may have to take care of. Now, do I try to get them to take care of it? Absolutely. But I never count on it. So I am always prepared to be like, Hey, I got to call my junk hauler in here. It's going to cost me X amount. I got to bring my cleaners in here, which I'm going to do anyway. Uh, but I just may have to do more. I may have to have the windows power washed or I may have to have the pool cleaned or whatever. That's the cost of doing business, folks. So hopefully you have an agent that also sees those things and understands that. So that's your final walkthrough. It's your last chance as the buyer to make sure the home is in the condition it's supposed to be in when you take possession at, at close of escrow. That's it. Things can be negotiated after that, but you can't use it or you're not supposed to use it as a means to cancel or threaten to cancel as the buyer. All right, final walkthrough, that was step nine. Recap, step seven, get a home inspection and a home appraisal. Step eight, purchase homeowner's insurance, we covered that. Step nine, we just covered do a final walkthrough. We're up to step 10, closing on your new home and how the process is of that. So congratulations, you've made it to the final step. When the time comes, Make sure you review your closing disclosure. The closing disclosure comes from your escrow company and it comes from your lender. It's got 
all of the credits and the debits of exactly what you're paying for and where your money's going and where the money's coming from, either by loan or by your down payment or whatever. And it balances out to zero at the bottom. So it outlines your final terms, final closing costs, any outstanding charges or fees included on your loan. Um, your lender will send the disclosure to you at least three days, this is required by law, before closing. Now what happens during closing? Property title will pass from the seller to you in whatever method you've chosen to vest the property on title. A closing agent, which in our case here in California, typically is either an escrow company that's been hired or the title company, if you're doing your escrow through a title company. Here in Southern California, 90 something percent of the time, we use an a third-party escrow company who is neutral. In other parts of California, it's still pretty typical to use the title company. Either There's no wrong answer there. So they act as the closing agent. They're going to make sure all necessary parties um, have done everything they're supposed to do, signed what they need to sign and turned in what they need to sign. They act as the mediator between you and the seller, uh, you, the buyer, and the seller. They confirm all required documents are signed and turned in. Once all the documents have been signed, the agent ensures that all the funds that are supposed to be in the escrow account are there, including closing fees and escrow payments. And then they properly disperse the money. During closing, you, the buyer, have two responsibilities. Number one, signing all legal documents. This includes the closing disclosure, the promissory note, so that's your lending paperwork, the deed of trust, this is your deed, how you're holding title, and your certificate of occupancy. The lender, if you are if you have a loan, is going to want to know if you are uh, buying the home to occupy or buying the home as a uh, investment property. So if you're going to be occupying it, you've already stated that, you're signing your certificate of occupancy. The second thing you have to do is pay your closing costs. This is all pretty automatic, but it's detailed out on the closing disclosure. Um, this includes fees from your mortgage application, your appraisal, if that wasn't already collected ahead of time, some during the appraisal process, some lenders collect that fee up front. Some don't. If there was any survey done, title search, title insurance, um, and your down payment, the remaining beyond your deposit. If your deposit doesn't cover your full down payment, the remainder of that gets covered by you in your closing costs. That's it. Once everything is done, uh, the money gets dispersed, title gets, and the deed gets sent over to the county. It may take a few minutes, it may take a few hours, but eventually the escrow or the, your closing agent hears back that the deed has been recorded. So it's one thing to have everything signed and funded. The, the last thing is that the deed, they get notification the deed's been recorded. That's the final thing. Once the deed's recorded, you own the home. Congratulations, you are a homeowner. And depending on how your contract is set up, that's when the uh, taking possession starts, okay? Some contracts start immediately uh, upon recordation. 
some, maybe you've given the seller a few days or a few hours or what have you to vacate property that they were going to need to do that. That's all in the contract. But just know that once the deed's recorded, you are the legal homeowner of the property. All responsibility shifts from the seller to you, the buyer. You are, you are now the owner. So all the things of uh, uh, utilities, uh, in the insurance, the taxes, everything, the moment it records, all that stuff starts counting towards you. That's it. So the bottom line, why I did this whole thing, these three episodes, these three, put these 10 steps together is no matter if you're a first time home buyer, a long time home buyer, maybe bought your first home 30 years ago. Now you're downsizing. It's just been a while. It can be intimidating and you need to know the home process before you buy. By arming yourself with the necessary knowledge and resources, it doesn't have to be as intimidating. By following all the steps I've outlined in these three episodes and working with a great real estate agent that you trust, you can focus on what really matters and that's enjoying your new home. Get with the right people, understand this process and let others work for you. Offload the burden and have fun. As always, if you have any comments or questions, you can leave them uh, in the comment section on YouTube or in whatever podcasting platform you are listening. You can also always email me direct at realestate101 at ronevansrealty.com. You can also text me, area code 949-929-2270. It has been a pleasure putting this together for you. Um, save it, save all three episodes. Maybe you're not ready to buy today. It's gonna to be six months, year from now, two years from now, five years from now. The process is not gonna change. The process has been this way forever. It's going to remain this way for quite a long time and you'll be golden. Thank you again. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Folks, I appreciate your continued support. If you haven't already done so, please don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Leave your comments and questions below and I'll get back to you when I can. Have a great day.